Amen. Uh, once again, I'm. I'm uh, they, they spoke. Uh, they sang about prayer, and and uh, I didn't know they were singing that, and they didn't know I was preaching. I want to talk tonight on the importance of prayer. Um, uh, it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? A lower brass, uh, we shall rise. That sounded really good over there. <laughs> mm. Enjoyed that music tonight. Um, I want to talk about prayer. Um, this morning I was listening to Second Chronicles. And uh, uh, you don't have to turn there. It's, it's not my passage, but it just jumped out to me. Second Chronicles 26 verse 5 and he, that's Uzziah, sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. We know at the end of his life, he got too big for his britches. He, I, I want to do this. He, 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 he stepped into a lane that... It wasn't supposed to be his uh, acting in the, uh, the stead of the priests. Got angry when somebody told him, you can't be doing this. He, God judged him. But boy, what a, what a phrase there, huh? Young people, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Not so young people. As long as he sought the Lord... God made him to prosper. And the same God that said that of Uzziah is still alive and well today. As long as you will seek the Lord, he will make you to prosper. Seeking God, though, we get cold so quickly, don't we? We excuse things that God does not excuse and and we prefer the way I see things as to the way God sees them. And prosperity goes out the window. And then I'm a victim. It's his fault. It's their fault. It's, no, you stopped pursuing God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. I want to talk about prayer tonight there. And again, I'm going to go everywhere so you can... Maybe just write things down or try to keep up, up if you'd like. Try not to get too many paper cuts. If you're on blood thinner, be very careful. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. We heard a message last Sunday evening from Philippians 4, didn't we? Wasn't that a blessing? Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. Uh-oh. Are we convicted yet? In everything by prayer, with supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Should we open the altar? In everything by prayer. The importance of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, help us, Lord. We have people here that pray, and we have a lot of people that that pray some. But Lord, I think every single one of us could stand to pray more. And really, it's the ones who already pray that are saying, oh yes, God. 
And it's the ones that don't pray that are thinking, I think I'm fine. But I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would help each and every one of us to pray like we ought to. To attempt to get closer to you and this important activity of prayer. Help us, oh God, to get serious about it. I ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, we have the, the armor of God. And at the end uh, of that section, it says, praying always. Are you convicted yet? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Do you pray in the Spirit? Oh, Holy Spirit, please, please help me to pray. Are you like me sometimes? Really, I'm, I'm preaching it myself. On per, you know, I normally wear my steel-toed shoes, to, so I'm, uh, they step on my toes during the preaching. Tonight, I made sure I didn't have them. I'm preaching it myself, and I invite you to be convicted with me. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance, watching with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Are you convicted yet? Luke 18.1 And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but, but some of us have tried a food log before. Right? Let's see, see who's smiling. A food log. And one of the things about a food log is you're like, oh, I, I guess. Oh, I can track some things. I guess you, you have it on your phones now, your food log you're going to put in. And you find, as you start to jot all the things down, you, you uh, eat, or, or if there's calories in it, you drink, you think, oh my, I did not realize how much I ate throughout the day. The food log reveals, oh my, How many times throughout the day we're putting, what if, what if, what if somebody without you knowing tracked you for the last month and did a prayer log? Oh, but last month, that, that's, uh, I had a lot going on. And there, there was stuff happened, and I got busy, and last, oh, that would be, that, well, of course that would look bad. That, that, that uh, along with all the other months, because things always seem to come up and keep me too busy to spend time, real time, in prayer with the best friend we have that they just sang about. Prayer. Sometimes we Christians are all talk. We'll talk all day about how important prayer is, but how much are we actually doing? I want to talk about the the practice of prayer and then the privilege of prayer and then the problem with prayer. Let's look at the practice of prayer. Isn't it comforting to know that you can go to the very top? Are you the type of person that you're on the phone and you're like, 
I want to speak to the manager. Transfer my call to the as, as high as it can go. <laughs> They're like, okay. And then this voice comes back. It's like, this is the same person. <laughs> There's no one higher. We get to go to the very top in our prayers. Are we really praying and rejoicing that God is energizing our life for him? Or are we just getting by? Without prayer, our service for God just becomes a drudgery. You, j- you jump on that Sunday school bus. And you're like, Boy, it feels like I was just here. It seems like I'm always jumping on the Sunday school bus. And going through this and going through that. Boy, the motions of this Christian life. If it's just motions, it gets old. And prayer is what allows it to be more than just motions. When you pray and then God does something on your bus, it is so fun to quote like the psalmist in Psalm 118, 23. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Are you see? Are you praying and see God answer those prayers? Prayer is how we find our joy in Him. And our strength is found in our joy in Him. There in Nehemiah 8.10, it talks about the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And yet, so often we find ourselves disinterested in what God is doing with today. God is doing something today. It's like, oh, is He? I guess. I suppose He probably is. We're so disinterested in what God wants for each and every day. Is it his fault? If God would just be more interesting, I think I could be more interested in what he's doing. Or is it our fault that we allow our affections to be drawn to all the wrong places? I think of Lot. Uh, He pitched his heart towards Sodom. He pitched his tent, he pitched his life, he pitched his viewpoint down towards Sodom. Abraham pitched his life toward a higher city. It says there in Genesis 13, 12, Abram pitched the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the, in the cities of plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. It only makes sense that where your heart is pitched, that's where your interests will be. Is it God's fault that Lot wasn't more interested in eternal things? Or was it Lot's fault for having his life pitched toward earthly things? In Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterwards receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. His heart was pitched toward eternal things. The point is this, the things that interest you will match up with the direction your heart is aimed at. It isn't God's job to make wholesome things interested or interesting. 
It's up to me with his help to make sure my heart is aimed at eternal things and set apart to him. If my heart is pitched toward eternal things, then that is where my interests will lie. Your heart follows your treasures. Do you treasure what's down here or what's up there? Matthew 6, 20 and 21. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For you, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 2 Corinthians four eighteen, While we look not for things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. Is that true of us? It's pretty aspirational, isn't it? It's something we should try to do. Keep our eyes off of what's down here and have our eyes on eternal things. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here are some verses on prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. Boy, God is waiting for us to call. And he says, I'm yearning to answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. Again, we have it backwards, don't we? We're arrogant. Show me some amazing things and I may be inclined to call on you. God says, no, you call on me and I'll show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But by faith, we call on him. Matthew 7, 7, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Ask, come humbly. Seek, come intensely. As for hid treasure. Again, you ever be at one of those teen activities where like, there's a hundred dollar bill somewhere in this room. It's hidden somewhere. It's amazing how the people start moving. Is there intensity when you seek time with the Almighty, which is worth far more than a lousy piece of paper that can get you two tanks of gas? Ask, seek, and then knock. Come persistently. I suppose asking... Lord, I need you. And then seeking, I I really need you. And then knocking, I'm not going anywhere. I'm telling you, I really need you. And I'm not going except thou bless me. John 14, 14. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. Ah, good to know. That's a, that's, that's a handy spare tire to have around. Now, I brought my checkbook. Um, college students, do you, do you still use these? Do, do, do you know what these are? I brought my checkbook. I'm, I'm trying to imagine maybe Mr. Mr. Brady. So he, he's a businessman. And maybe he has, a, there's a, a lady there that works for him. And she is authorized to write checks for the company. She is authorized uh, to use his name to write checks for the company. 
Now, it's her responsibility to know what the boss is interested in for the good of the company. If she writes checks for the good of herself and not the company, that's embezzling. Here, God has given you a checkbook. In John 14, 14, if ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. But just like that secretary, it's her job to find out what the boss wants those checks to be written toward. If she's going to use his name, she better make sure it's something that's good for the company. And it's your job to find out what interests the God of heaven who has given you a blank check and said, go ahead and put my name on it. Go ahead and put my name on it. But you better make sure you know what he's interested in. But I'm telling you, once you do, you have access to an inexhaustible account. What a privilege. What a privilege. Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer believing, ye shall receive. Wow. Why aren't we praying more? Isaiah 65, 24. Then it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Does that give you the impression that God is yearning to do things for us? Won't somebody really pray? I've got the, I've got the dump trucks of heaven backed up to the window. To pour out blessings. I just can't find somebody that will really pray. They're too busy. Too busy. That before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. John fifteen seven. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Wow. I tried to maybe give an idea of what that might mean. It's like God is saying, when what I want really matters to you, then you'll be in a place where what you want can really matter to me. Do you hear that? Listen to the verse again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. It's like God saying, when what I want really matters to you, then you'll finally be in the place where what you want really matters to me. Isn't that something? Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Is all of your praying in public? You pray at family devotions, and you pray at the dinner table, and you pray for church, and you pray for this and that. But how much praying is done when there's nobody there but God? Again, we go back to that prayer log, right? And just like food, I turned out I eat a lot more than I realized. Boy, that prayer log, would you look at that and say, Oh, 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 me. Turns out 
I pray far less than I realized. Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth. Isn't that precious? The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. When we're in trouble, we have the ear of the King of Kings. I don't have a AAA roadside assistance right now. But uh, uh, I've had AAA before. And, and, you know, you you call them. And then you wait for a small eternity while they come to help you. Uh, And it's nice to know that they can come and help you. But I I do remember, again, we just got back from Cambodia. But about nine years ago, uh, we were with the rocks. And and we, uh, they said, we're going to take you to one of the poorest areas in Cambodia. Oh, they're just so poor. We're going to go down these raggedy, bumpy uh, dirt roads full of holes and this and that. We went and we went and we went and we went. And uh, and so we got out. We're like, wow, taking pictures. And it's like, oh, my Lord, help us to. And we got back to the vehicle and turned the key. And yeah, nothing happened. And it was kind of one of those funny thoughts. I was just like, well, I, I have triple A. And of course, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they're roadside <laughs> coverage. Uh, I imagine it doesn't. They weren't coming to help me. I was out of their coverage. Isn't it nice that it's not an hour that you wait or more for help? And it's not your outside of coverage, but the righteous cry when the Lord heareth. And Lord heareth. And delivereth them out of all their trouble. Never out of coverage. Psalm 55, 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Boy, you look at that and you go, oh man, I got to do devotions three times a day? What's up with that? I'm doing good if I can manage to have one time set aside to spend with God. But real prayer? Or is that talking about, I guess I can mutter something before my cereal and mutter something before my lunch and mutter something before my dinner. And that's a whole other discussion, isn't it? How many of you are guilty like me where you close your eyes and you start eating and you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? Did I actually pray or did I mutter something under my breath and... Did I talk to God or just perform some sort of ritual that I have? The psalmist is talking about real time with God, evening and morning and at noon. Uh, We, boy, we men, before we got married, we remember those times where where I got to talk to my fiancé that many times. Boy, I'm doing good if I can... You know, carve out just a little bit of time to say a few things to her. Oh no. Oh no. We, were, we would say the opposite. Just three times? Boy, I want to spend more. Just three times? I want to spend. Oh, wouldn't it be great if our, our love for the Lord was that way? 
Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him. To all that call upon Him in truth, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. Think about that for a moment. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. What a promise. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Boy, when he's important enough to me to want to draw close to him, he promises to draw close to me and fulfill my desires and hear my cry. It reminds us of James, doesn't it? James 4, 8, the first half of that verse. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Boy, the practice of prayer. Uh, secondly, just, just the privilege of prayer. Oh, the joy of being able to do something when someone I care about is hurting. You can take that need before the King of Kings. I, I've been there before where I have a, I have a problem. And, and sometimes we think that prayer is God and you focusing on your problem. Right? I have this problem. And I'm focused on my problem. Oh yeah, prayer. God, I need you to focus on my problem with me. Now I'm focused on my problem and you're focused on my problem. What are we going to do about this problem? And that's not what prayer is supposed to be. Prayer is not focusing on my problem with God. Prayer is focusing on the God who's bigger than my problem. And thanking Him. That there's nothing too big for him. Nothing too small for him. Oh, the privilege of prayer. That we can go straight to the top and spend time with Almighty God. Psalm 1611, Thou show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Boy, when you know God is working in your home, isn't that a blessing? Over there, and, and well, every, every dad, we, uh, we, we want our children to have a, their own personal walk with the Lord Jesus. Their own. Now, over there in, in Cambodia, of course, my son, he's, he's 17, and, and he was going through one of those, one of those times where, and I, and I think we, we all go through it, maybe men more than the ladies, I don't know, but you ever think, boy, all of this independent Baptist Christian Bible stuff is so real to my mom and dad and to a whole bunch of other people at church. But there are billions and billions of people on this planet and it's not real to them. Who is right? Who is right? Are my parents just fooled? Who is right? And he just, that thought crossed his mind. And uh, the Lord gave him a verse. Uh, he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And he says, Lord, I just like, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I want to make sure I'm not wavering. But, but this was what was so fun. He opened his Bible to do his reading for the day. He opened to the Book of James, chapter 1, and verse 6 was where the verse that God gave him was. And he was like, Dad, can I just, can I tell you what God just did for me? 
And as, as excited as he was, I was way more excited. <laughs> I'm like, son, write that down. Write that down, and for the rest of your life, remember that there was a time of doubt, and God showed himself. Write it down, because there will be more times where doubt starts to creep in. Write it down. God is real. He showed himself to you. Don't forget those times. Oh, as a dad, to see God doing something in your home, there's nothing better when God is doing something in your home. When God is at work in our church, there's nothing better. Hearing about souls that are saved. Hearing about people getting, getting things right. Hearing about uh, uh, sin being confessed and, and mercy being, uh, oh God, uh, I, I'm looking for mercy from you. I, I want you to bless my life. Please cleanse me. Please search me. Is there anything else I need to, oh God, use me. I want to be busy for you. When God is at work on our own lives, when God shows himself to you, and you can smile and say, thank you, Lord, I needed that. I needed that. It could be a conversation with somebody who encourages you. They didn't even realize that they said just the right thing that you needed, and you know that God put that on your lips. Or your own time with God. Where God says, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And God says, don't forget that. Don't forget that. How about when God does something at your job, at your work, and you say, oh God, would you show yourself? Would you do something? And he does. Oh, what a treat. The privilege of prayer. Joy cometh in the morning. There's always a sunrise. Uh, The sun will set. But the sun is always there. It's just on the other side of the earth. It's always there. And even right now, it's keeping us warm. The warmth from the sun is, is going around the earth. It's inside our atmosphere. captured. We get to stay warm. It's helping us. We can't see it. But it's keeping us alive. There will be times when we can't see the Lord. But we can feel the warmth. He keeps us alive. Um, Mrs. Jennifer Wright and I were talking about the, the northern lights. And of course, way up north where the sun never comes up in different places for parts of the year, it's fun that even in those dark times, God sends a, a, a miraculous light. I think that's so fun. Even the times where the sun is showing itself, God sends that light. On the, on the airplane ride, I was watching, uh, you know, the frozen planet, the um, a documentary, listening to David Attenborough talk about the penguins and explain why, you know, because Caleb Stockman bought a big truck, the polar bears aren't going to make it. <laughs> but boy, those northern lights, God sends his light. And even when you can't see it, the warmth is there. And the sun always comes up. Sometimes, uh, boy, prayer is what helps me as a pastor. Um, you all have things, you all, you all have concerns, you all have heartaches. And sometimes I'm not in the mood to hear them. <laughs> and uh, I come in, I'm like, oh, look at all the people with heartaches. 
and you, and you tend to maybe start to pastor defensively a little bit, it's like, uh, and let's close in prayer, and when you open your eyes, I'm gone. <laughs> but you find that prayer changes all that. You don't pastor defensively, you pastor offensively. When they come to you with their heartache, you're in their face before they can come to you and you say, hey, listen, I was just crying out to God for your needs this morning. How that one situation, it's been on my heart. How are things going? Prayer changes things. Samuel said there in 2 Samuel, and I have this verse, I have my list I have you guys on my prayer list. And at the top there, I have this verse. 2 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Again, I told you I'm preaching it myself some tonight. A pastor, yes, should spend time with his people. But he should spend time for his people in prayer. But am I the only one? Don't you have people to pray for? Boy, go to God and thank God for your fellow church member, even the ones that irritate you. Thank God for them. Students, thank God for your teachers. Teachers, thank God for your students. And if the opportunity God has given you to teach them, I remember somebody saying, you, you can't pray for someone you're gossiping about, and you sure can't gossip about someone you're really praying for. So which is it? Ask God to do something only He can do. He likes to prove Himself. It honors Him when you ask a big God for big things. All right, then we come to point number three. The problem with prayer is that it's just hard work. It's hard work. And there's, it's, it's like you get, you get to praying and it's like someone screaming in your ear. There's all these things that need to be done. What are you wasting your time there for? Get off your knees and get busy. Uh, the, it's just 10,000 things cross your mind. 10,000 things come up. Prayer is hard work. But I tell you, just like maybe a good workout, you ever, again, maybe it's been a while, you have a good workout and afterwards you're like, oh, that was tough, but I feel so good. And maybe some are like, really? No, I've never experienced it. (laughs) But hopefully enough of you are like, oh yeah, I've, I've been there. You get a good workout and you feel good afterwards. Boy, there's nothing like really working out in prayer. And what a workout partner you have. When for a little while you take that yoke upon you and you learn of him. How meek and lowly he is. Someday we're going to wish we prayed more. I promise you. Well, let's not wait for someday. Let's do it now. 
may it not be, I wonder what my home would have been like if I'd spent more time in prayer. This verse jumped out to me recently, Job 1.8. And it was so, when the days of their feasting had gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning. He got up before he wanted to. He got up before his body wanted to get up. But he said, body, you're not in charge. I'm getting out of bed because there's something important that needs to be done. He rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. He got serious about prayer before there were problems in his home. A lot of Christians are praying defensively. I'll get serious about prayer once the problems hit. Oh, friend, do you think we may have it backwards? Get serious about prayer before the problems hit. Thus did Job continually. It may be. There may be sin. I don't even know. But I'm going to get up early. I'm going to offer sacrifices. And I'm going to go to God for my family. Christian, we're going to be praying one of these prayers. Oh God, protect my home. Or God, oh God, restore my home. Which would you rather pray? And parent, if you're in that place of begging God for restoration, you, you, you keep praying. And I'll pray with you. Don't stop. But church, every one of us, we need to get serious about prayer. Prayer isn't the last resort of the weak. It's the first resort of the humble. And God loves to pour out his grace on the humble. James 4, 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. What is the glue that holds your life together? You just kind of hope everything will work out in the end? Or by faith... Are you trusting in the strength of God that is made perfect in weakness as you humbly and continuously fall before him and say, oh God, I need you. Ask him for things, but then also be careful to thank him for things that he's done. Praise him for who he is. Tell him that you love him. Prayer doesn't work unless it's used. I think there's a I think there's a whole lot of people in this room that could teach a lesson on prayer. Think about how many people in this room could teach a substantive lesson on prayer. Would we have the same number of people that are really praying? Or do we have Christians in this world that know a lot about something but aren't doing anything with it? 
this morning I was praying and I jotted this, put this verse down in my prayer list. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For all men. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's get serious about prayer right away. And if you're serious about prayer, praise God, let's get more serious. Of course, at the beginning of this year, you ever get out your calculator and you start to crunch some numbers about how time works? And uh, so I had my calculator out one day and and, uh, just punching in there, let's see, 24 hours in a day, uh, 60 minutes per hour, uh, 1,440 minutes every day. But if I'm sleeping for eight hours, you know, we shoot for that, don't we? I guess I, I could subtract that eight hours, subtract 480 minutes. That leaves 16 hours times 60 minutes. That leaves 960 minutes. 960 minutes. And as I kind of looked at that, I thought, boy, that 960 minutes every day, uh, besides kind of what we're sleeping, 960 minutes. And it was like the Lord said, huh, if you just took that 60 minutes off of there, you have that nice round 900 minutes. Boy, what could you do with 900 minutes in your day if 60 minutes was spent with me in worship? We talk about the sweet hour of prayer. I'm not talking about finding 60 minutes necessarily. I was like, Lord, what, how? how? How could I take 60 minutes and give it to you? And he's like, boy, what about 20 minutes of just worshiping me with your family at the family altar? Boy, you get with your family and that time can just fly by, can't it? You're enjoying one another and you're praying. You're going through the prayer list and you're, and you're asking God to help with this. And you're, and, you're, and you're talking about, hey, what did you guys get out of church? And, 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 and you're worshiping God. You're, you say, Lord, would you, we want you to be a part of our family devotions. Would you come? Would you meet with us? What about 20 minutes on your own with God? Where you spend some time pouring over his word and you, and you think and, and you don't let your mind wander. You kind, of, you kind of repeat things. Maybe you listen to the scripture and look at it. But, but you're making sure your brain isn't allowed to start working on the day. You're there as the text is being uh, read. You're reading it. You're, you're jotting notes. Things to chew on later on. But you're there in the scripture. You spend some time with God. And, and you go through that and then you pull out your prayer list. There's so many things to pray for. So many people to pray for. And just spending time going through the model prayer. Spending time. And and Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Thank you for providing. And I need you to provide once more today. Help me not to forget that all provision comes from you. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Today there's going to be an opportunity to let you down and my flesh is going to want to take it. Lord, please help me not to fall to that. I need you, God. I'll fail you without you. 
Thank you for being my father in heaven. Thank you for heaven. Boy, you start to just spend a little time and go through your list. 20 minutes is gone like that. And then toward the end of the day, maybe another 20 minutes, crack open God's word and just kind of, maybe you read more slowly and study a little bit more and pray through some more things. Could you spend 20 minutes with God in the morning? 20 minutes with your family? And 20 minutes at nighttime, making sure that 60 minutes is really set apart as unto him. As I looked at this number, it was like God was saying, wow, how powerful and effective those 900 minutes could be if maybe you spent that 60 minutes really in worship with me each and every day. It's pretty easy to do. We find that what matters to us, we find a way to make it happen. Is that true? If it matters to us, we find a way to make it happen. And it's time that this mattered to us. And we figured out a way to make it happen. You say, well, 900 minutes, 960 minutes isn't enough time to get it all done. And you'll find that 900 minutes is more than enough time. If you'll spend time with the God that's bigger than the issues in your life. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Let's go ahead and stand.